Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. But today on the show, it's actually one of our Missing Pieces episodes. We haven't done one of these in a little while, but this is a little twist in our usual format. Instead of just looking at a new movie and what older movies might have inspired it, we look at something from the late, late 90s into right around the time I started this podcast in 2017, so somewhere in that range, and look at movies that might have inspired it, and since it's a little older, movies that it might have inspired since that came out. And we did this last year, uh, a special super special Missing Pieces episode on the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy, and now we're doing it again on the entire original Matrix trilogy here on the eve of the new fourth movie in the series, The Matrix Resurrections. And joining me is Josh Bell from Awesome Movie Year, who was also on that Lord of the Rings one last year. Uh, but we have a great conversation coming up, lots of great puzzle pieces, so we will get to that in a minute. Before we do, I want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can, of course, do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, all the major podcast apps were probably there. And you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Podchaser and Good Pods. Uh, Five-star ratings are very nice. We would appreciate those. They uh, help us stand out amongst the sea of many great movie podcasts that are out there. But, uh, you know, the more five stars we get, the more people will supposedly see us and uh, get to hear our little conversations that we have here. So thank you so much for leaving those reviews. You could also follow me on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And uh, we also have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus content from Piecing It Together from Awesome Movie Year, Josh's podcast, which I also produce. And from my music career, all kinds of great content over there on the Produced by David Rosen Patreon. So check that out, patreon.com slash bydavidrosen. And with that said, uh, make sure to go check out the new Matrix movie. It is uh, out in theaters and on HBO Max as of this episode being up. And also make sure to go check out the Awesome Movie Year bonus episode on the original Matrix, which is also out right now. It just came out this week. And now let's get to our conversation about the original Matrix trilogy. 
All right, Josh, Bell is with us to enter the Matrix and talk about a whole bunch of movies here. Josh, how's it going? Uh, it's good. Uh, I mean, or maybe it's only appearing to be good. Mm. And uh, I have, in fact, been duped yeah. into believing that uh, we're having a nice day right yeah. now. Yeah. I don't know. I'll take it, though. Yeah. As long as it feels good, it's, you know, it's all right. It's cool. Right. I yeah. mean, honestly, really, if that's what's going on, they could improve it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's actually a good point. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, th this should be a fun conversation. And, you know, last year, we, of course, did our Lord of the Rings Missing Pieces episode for the trilogy, which also included your awesome movie, your uh, co-host, Jason Harris. Uh, Jason straight up refused to rewatch these movies. So, so it's just us this time, guys. Yeah. Well, well, we did a, an awesome movie year episode on yeah. the original Matrix, but Jason was absolutely unwilling to watch the sequels again, which I mean is fair. You know, yeah. you, you only have so much time in life. So it's true. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I was just thinking about it. I mean, we were just talking before we started. I just came from watching the new Spider-Man. That's totally off topic, but I certainly didn't rewatch any Spider-Mans to watch Spider-Man, but the Matrix, I felt like I really kind of owed it another chance. I didn't like the sequels back in the day, and I've always kind of wanted to revisit them. So this was like a fun thing even though i still didn't really like them that much but i love the first one of course uh but it, it was kind of a fun thing to finally give it its due and like try it again anyway yeah i think i like the sequels less this yeah. time actually because <laughs> i was maybe overly generous to them mm -hmm. uh the first time around because i loved the original so much and i was so eager for there to be great follow-ups yeah but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. We'll talk about it at, at here and there or whatever. But I, I think there's some some decent-ish stuff in the sure. second one. And to me, the third one was was just almost completely a waste of time. Mm -hmm. um, but I also watched, I think we both watched the Animatrix yeah. as well. And maybe that'll come up too. And sure. uh, that, was a, that was an enjoyable experience. It was. It's, I think, the best of the follow-ups. And I mean, we'll see uh, next week um, at the time of recording uh, how this new one turns out. But uh, I'm hopeful for it. And this will be a fun conversation. There's so much that we could potentially talk about. I mean, as we talked about on Awesome Movie Year, this movie is so freaking uh, influential when it comes to action movies, sci-fi movies, just absolutely everything. And this being a Missing Pieces episode, we're also going to start off talking about movies that inspired it. And I think there's plenty to get into with that as well. Absolutely. I mean, one of the great things about the original Matrix is the way that the Wachowskis take all these different things that inspired them and meld them together into their unique vision yeah absolutely well uh let's just start jumping into it we'll start off of course with the movies that came before the matrix trilogy that may have inspired it so uh let's start off with your first one well i'm gonna start i i will say just uh as a caveat i am really not all that familiar with anime and mm -hmm. i know that's a huge just in general a huge influence here so i'm gonna pick something that i have seen which is the original ghost in the shell sure um and not only is that just an anime that I've seen, it's not <laughs> entirely random. Um, I mean, it definitely deals with a lot of the themes that we have here about uh, the nature of reality yeah. and, uh, you know, consciousness being placed in different, you know, in a body versus in a virtual environment. I mean, there it's a it's an actual like robot body that the main character has their her consciousness as part of. But, um, you know, certainly thematically, there's some stuff that that's been pulled from there, not only uh, stylistically, but the way that anime represents action. I mean, again, in Ghost in the Shell and also in other stuff that that kind of 
almost hyper real or maybe not like surreal representation. I, at no point in the Matrix are you meant to think, oh, this is how like real people would, sure. would fight each other or whatever. So that is certainly something that they take a lot from anime that even uh, a more sort of realistic quote unquote story um, will have a lot of those surreal elements and will be less interested in representing reality as it is than in sort of like using that representation to explore the themes. Um, but also just as generally as a kind of a cool sci-fi cyberpunky movie set in the future. Yeah. Um, I, I am not super crazy about it as a movie, but again, I'm, I'm, sort of a dilettante on anime but sure. certainly ghost in the shell yeah and i actually had that on my list as well even though i've really honestly only seen the scarlet johansson <laughs> one from a few years ago but i certainly am aware of the original and i i've seen you know especially running in the video game world i, I see a lot of japanese anime stuff and influence on all kinds of stuff in the world of video games and ghost in the shell is one that comes up all the time and so even before that movie i knew about the original and all that stuff um and yeah i think uh, really, I mean, if you were going to kind of spin off and just talk about the Wachowskis in general, I mean, of course, Speed Racer, of course, I'd, I'd say Jupiter Ascending even has like a lot of anime influence to it. And they, they really seem to love their anime. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think one of the interesting things, and, and I might mention this again with another piece, but you mentioned the Scarlett Johansson movie. And one of the things I think that is amazing about The Matrix is that it's influenced by anime and then all these other things. And then after The Matrix, a lot of the things that The Matrix was influenced by then kind of incorporated The Matrix into sure. their later versions. And so that Scarlett Johansson movie certainly could be something that The Matrix influenced. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it just goes to show that this is like right. At, and, and I think it has to do a lot with the, uh, the technology, you know, right then at 1999, just how much it was all changing and how much they really kind of took advantage of that. And that actually kind of fits into my first piece here, uh, which is going to be James Cameron's Terminator and Terminator 2, um, two movies that also a troubled sci-fi franchise <laughs> that, uh, you know, really, really kind of existed to push special effects in a lot of ways. I mean, there's a lot I love about both of those movies, um, especially Terminator 2. I'm a big Terminator 2 guy, but uh, the special effects push is number one. I mean, that's what made them so lasting. That's what made them such huge major movies, especially the second one. And uh, even though, you know, the actual stories tend to kind of get lost in their sci-fi-ishness of, of the time travel and all that stuff and the time loops and the paradoxes and all that, they're at least trying to do something interesting <laughs> with all of the uh, those big ideas. And so, you know, you get, you get that push for special effects, you get some kind of stonery philosophical things going on, but um, mainly just cool, fun action movies with insane special effects that really last. Yeah, I mean, I love those first two uh, Terminator movies, and Terminator 2 still, to me, is one of the greatest action movies, the greatest sci-fi movies, and the greatest sequels ever yeah. made, and certainly one of my favorite movies overall. So I'm with you. I think maybe you don't give enough credit to, like, story-wise and thematically yeah. how they're connected. I mean, we have the the robot uprising and mm -hmm. the uh, apocalypse. You've got, especially, I think, in the Matrix sequels, they draw so much from, like, the sort of freedom fighter future sure. conception of the Terminator with the the 
darkened skies and the the drones that are seeking out the I think they call them what hunter killers in the Terminator movies. I think so, yeah, yeah. You know, and the the Sentinels in the Matrix movies. Um, and of course, the chosen one. You've got Neo, or or you've got John Connor. And That's the, true. The people who are obsessed with protecting that person at all costs, even if that person is sort of uh, reluctant to embrace their role. So I think there's a lot there. I had Plenty. those on my list too. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, let's move on to another one. What do you got next? So my next piece is uh, is a movie I haven't seen in a little while. I actually was looking it up, uh, plot summary wise, to try to remember if it, if I. Fit, but it, it felt like it fit. So I'm mm-hmm. going to say it anyway. And uh, that's David Cronenberg's Videodrome, okay. um, which um, you could argue is uh, a bigger influence on uh, Cronenberg's film Existence, which came out almost at the same time as The Matrix. So you could not say that it really influenced or was influenced by either way, but has a lot of very, very, very similar themes to The Matrix. Um, but Videodrome, I think in the early 80s was really playing with a lot of these thematic ideas about technology changing our perceptions Mm. and what is real and what is not real. And are we sort of being manipulated by this technology, even though we don't know it? Right. Um, And all that kind of stuff. And it's Cronenberg, so it does it in this weird sort of body horror, kinky sex way Mm. that um, the Wachowskis... um, you could argue, I guess, I see people online talking about how these the Matrix movies and the Wachowski movies in general are very horny. They, but, especially the sequel, the second one, I think. Yeah. Right? yeah. But but not in the same way as a David Cronenberg movie yeah. in this sort of weird, um, you know, gooey, uh, bodily <laughs> fluid obsessed kind of way that the sure. Cronenberg movies are. Um, but I mean, you also have a character who becomes obsessed with finding out the truth of where does this strange broadcast come from that's that's manipulating people's minds and mm. they're going down the rabbit hole thing um and also for a, a relatively low budget movie has some really cool mind-bending special effects so yeah again it's been a long time since i saw this but it's certainly one of cronenberg's most distinctive and overall influential films yeah. and uh, i i bet the wachowskis had seen that yeah i would imagine so and you know when we were talking about the matrix on uh, awesome movie or jason brought up uh you know about how when he first saw he he didn't really get it necessarily and he thinks part of that is because uh the idea of living in a simulation wasn't really in the consciousness yet you know which i think is a, you know a good point like it it does seem like it's something we all kind of live with now, but back then maybe wasn't as much. And I wonder how much it's there in other older movies, like maybe not so much video drums specifically, but other sci-fi where there's examples of that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's not something that they invented entirely. And if not in movies, certainly in sci-fi novels and sure. comic books and all that kind of stuff, which is all influential on the matrix stuff that the the Wachowskis were familiar with. Um, But I mean, I think to this mainstream level and, and again, combining that uh, cerebral sci-fi idea with cool ass action is something that maybe other movies had not done before. And that was why it was able to reach that wider audience of people who weren't familiar with those ideas. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to jump from one gigantic sci-fi franchise to another gigantic sci-fi franchise and bring up Alien. 
uh, mainly because of the ship that they are on for a good chunk of the film. Uh, the, I believe it's the Nos, Nostromo or something like that. Oh, that's in Alien. In yeah. Alien, yeah. yeah. And yeah. here it's the Nebuchadnezzar. Right. These these names, I gotta tell you. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, no, just like kind of the ship design, though, of these things, they do kind of feel similar. And, and the rest of the crew just being kind of like everyman, like worker types that are just on the ship, and they all just kind of have their jobs, and you just... Even though you've got your main badass heroic types, you know, and of course Trinity and Ripley could probably be, you know, paired there, but uh, you got everybody else on the ship who are just like workers and your chef and your, you know, your guy who works on this particular machine and this particular machine. And uh, you get to introduce way too many of them in the sequels to uh, the Matrix movies, but uh, there's plenty of them in the Alien movies as well. Yeah, that's true. I, I think you're right. And one of the great things about those alien movies is the way that they're focused on like the grunts of mm-hmm. space. You know? Sure. <laughs> even even in the later ones, which um uh not everyone loves. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I I feel like there's something to enjoy and appreciate in all of those alien movies. But yeah, you're you're right. And uh, um especially in the sequels, I think to their detriment, we get a lot of yeah, the regular folks. In Zion. Yeah. Ugh, which is just... <laughs> it's amazing that there's like 40 straight minutes of scenes without any Neo or Trinity or Morpheus. Like... At least. <laughs> yeah. In the, yeah. And there's... In, in Matrix Revolutions, there may be... There's some scenes with the main characters, but they don't go into the Matrix for more than half of that movie. Sure. Like, yeah. I, and, and, you know, I, people love it. I Looking on Letterboxd and some people are like, oh, the Battle of Zion is the greatest action sequence ever. And like, <laughs> I don't, I don't get that. Yeah. I, I don't think that that's true. To me, that looks like every other mm. standard sci-fi movie of, you know, the early 2000s or whatever, whereas yeah. the stuff inside the Matrix is so creative and fresh. But I'll, I'll stand up for the Battle of Zion a little bit just because it, I do think it looks cool, you know, and, and I, I don't think it works necessarily because of the fact that none of our main characters are in the battle of Zion. And that's the problem with it. But I do think it actually looks really cool. I guess to me, it just looked like a lot of that, what we have now where it's like, here's a bunch of gray CGI blurs. And I just, I mean, maybe in the matrix, it was still fresh. And now we've seen 27 Marvel movies that do that in their climaxes. And I'm bored of it. But Yeah. yeah, watching that movie this time, I was like, how long? I just I, like I was sitting there tying, you know, that was what I was doing. I was like, yeah. all right, how long has it been? When are they going to go back to the Matrix? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, what? I was going to bring something up, but uh, I'll bring it up a little bit later. Uh, so let's go on to your next piece. Oh, OK, so my next piece, actually, this is sort of similar to the the ghost in the shell uh, on on either side of the Matrix with the Scarlett Johansson movie. Um, and that is Eon Flux. Mm -hmm. And so uh, influence wise, Eon Flux was a sort of series of animated short films created by Peter Chung that aired on MTV. And I I believe, you know what, actually, I really should have checked this. I believe started before 1999, but probably also like kind of around the same time. Yeah. yeah. You know, influenced and and Peter Chung is, I, I believe, is is American, but heavily influenced by anime Mm -hmm. Um, and that sort of aesthetic of how the characters look in the matrix movies with lots of black leather and everything and even trinity's haircut yeah um very much recalls uh eon flux and i loved eon flux 
uh, as a teenager. And and the great thing about those is because they were they're very short. They were just little like, I don't know, five to ten minute little blips. Yeah. Some of them on on liquid television on MTV. And they're very surreal. They don't really make sense. They often have little to no dialogue. And it's just sort of like a strange future sci-fi alternate universe vibe right. going on. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Peter Chung directed a segment of the Animatrix. Okay, cool. Which also has a very surreal vibe to it it's i forget what it's called but it's the segment where the humans try to go into the matrix or into the virtual world to sort of reprogram the robots mm -hmm. uh to yeah, help them yeah. and it just kind of devolves into this series of weird psychedelic images yeah. where you just gotta kind of go with it um that did have a very uh liquid television feel to it and there you go yeah. and, that, and that's why so i mean certainly that's someone where you know there's the the Wachowskis reaching out to this person who probably had influenced them and saying, hey, can you contribute to our new Matrix thing? Yeah. And then, of course, you have the Eon Flux live action movie in sure. 2005, which is very bad, mm. um, starring Charlize Theron, but is clearly influenced by and certainly got greenlit because of the success of sure. the Matrix and yet really misses a lot of the point of what made Eon Flux cool. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, that, that stuff is so cool. Like, I haven't seen any of it since, you know, r right around graduating high school, but uh, I, I feel like I would love to rewatch some of it one of these days. It's just, all of it is just so damn cool. And of course, a lot of the stuff that was coming out of like MTV and all that was cool at that point. Yeah, I loved a lot of that. Although, again, I haven't seen it. And obviously, I didn't even fully do enough research in there because yeah. I realized, I like, wait a minute, maybe it was at the same time and not earlier. But I think it we was- We don't do research around here, Josh. I think it was a little <laughs> earlier, but it was it was similar time periods. Um, but yeah, I haven't watched any of that stuff. I loved, um, I mean, of course, Beavis and Butthead came sure. out of Liquid Television. Um, the Head mm -hmm. was a cool MTV, weird, surreal thing. Uh, the Max, I remember. I and most of these all that. had big ideas, too, behind the weird, trippy uh, yeah. animations. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, yeah. I was a big fan of the Max uh, comic books that ended up being adapted into those cartoons. But cool. they really got the flavor of it. So, yeah, I think a lot of that stuff, too, is just hard to find now, unfortunately. I would imagine so, yeah. But uh, it's, it's got to be out there somewhere. Yeah. But, uh all right, I'm going to go to another uh, piece here, uh, another movie that also featured Robert Patrick from Terminator 2. Uh, it is 1993's Fire in the Sky, uh, which isn't the best movie in the world, but uh, is pretty effective, but especially because I think it has the creepiest and just most what I would imagine real life being abducted by an alien would feel like a scene um, ever on, on camera. And uh, it, it, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of when Neo wakes up in the uh, pods uh, in, in the real world for the first time. And we, we again, we talked about that a little bit on the uh, Awesome Movie episode of just about how creepy that is. It's just pure nightmare fuel, you know, and Fire in the Sky really uh really really captures just how scary that would feel to wake up in that scenario like that and i just feel like there's a lot of uh similarities between the two everything's all wet and gooey and mix of organics and metals and all all that stuff there's just a lot of really cool design to it 
Yeah. So, you know, see, I said that, that, that this wasn't gooey like a Cronenberg movie, but I guess I was wrong. I forgot about the pod with the goo in it. So there's goo. Yeah, there yeah. is. Yeah. I've never even heard of that movie. you never seen Fire, Fire in the, the Sky? Sky? I don't, I'm not even, I don't even know what it is. Like, wow. I mean, okay. I had not, is Robert Patrick the star of it? Uh, he's one of, one of them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Huh. No, yeah. I don't know it. I'll have to check that out. Awesome. I have not heard of that at all. I stumped Josh Bell. I Amazing. Know. Wow. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> well, my, my next one won't be uh, that, that far out there, but uh, let's go to yours first. So. All right. Well, I'm going to combine a few things here, mm -hmm. um, including, you know, some of this is, is really like just explicitly mentioned in the Matrix, but I, I think the the kind of fairy tale vibe of this sure um is i mean we have alice in wonderland mm -hmm. um the wizard of oz yep. um i think both of which are explicitly name checked in this movie yeah um and then i'll throw in uh sleeping beauty as well because uh neo gets uh true love's kiss there at sure one does. Point to wake himself up yep and uh they really go all in on the uh love will save us themes as the trilogy goes on yes in uh not a particularly successful way to me. But I mean, certainly as sci-fi and action and whatever as this is, it is also kind of a fairy tale yeah. in a way. And they're definitely trying to evoke that, whether it's that Alice in Wonderland, Wizard of Oz vibe of person going into this alternate world and they don't know what's real and what's not real and are people going to believe them? Um, or the the sort of romantic... Um, you know, a fairy tale thing of Sleeping Beauty, where it's about destiny and about finding the the true your true love and all that kind of stuff. Sure, I mean, there's a lot of just primal uh stuff going on here, and 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 a little bit of influence from Disney animation too. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually had this as a piece as well. You know, Alice in Wonderland, Sleeping Beauty, uh, just, yeah, all, all that kind of fairy tale stuff. And even get, you know, we were talking about with liquid television, you get just druggy imagery, which people <laughs> are always finding in fairy tales, sure. you know? So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that that has to be part of the conversation. Um, so yeah, I will, uh, go on to my last, uh, inspired by, and, uh, it comes up all the damn time on this show, but it's Star Wars. Oh, I, I thought it was going to be Evil Dead. <laughs> I don't think I could do that one. I, I thought about it. How could I fit Evil Dead into this? I, I don't know. I'm sure there's a way, you know, but yeah. I, if anyone could do it, it's me, but, yeah. But no, I mean, Star Wars, uh, our, our hero gets a permanent physical wound, except for instead of his hand, it's his eyes, right? Yeah, so that's, that, that's that's the main thing. But then, of course, it's just gigantic sci-fi way, devolves into political conversations constantly and all that stuff instead of the thing that everybody came to see. Uh, so I, I'm sure there's, there's plenty. I, I would also say the score, uh, there's, there's a lot of Star Wars influence. Um, when the score starts getting, uh, you know, more kind of classic adventure-y to it. Um, so there, there's plenty of Star Wars in there. Well, yeah. And like we were saying with the Terminator movies, I mean, the idea of this, this, chosen one figure sure. who is plucked out of obscurity and is maybe not entirely sure that he wants to be the chosen one and save yeah. everybody. And um, there's an oracle. Yeah, that too. There you go. That too. Um, and, and to me, one of the negatives is, again, to, not to harp on Zion, but when we get there in the second and third movies... It's just a total ripoff of like Star Wars rebel bases with people mm -hmm. running around fixing stuff or whatever. Sure. <laughs> yeah. um, Dancing and lots of music. There, there yeah. that too. Yeah. yeah, that too. But I mean, it really just felt like 
you know, and you get a little bit of that in Star Wars where you've got Luke and all the other X-Wing pilots and you're like, who are these people? And I know mm-hmm. there's hardcore Star Wars fans who know who all of those people They're are pissed right have now, like Josh. the full backstories for all of them. <laughs> but if you just watch those movies, you're like, who's this guy? Yeah. And in Star Wars, it doesn't really matter because it still all gets brought back to Luke and Han and the people that we care about. I think the Matrix, it spends, as we were saying, way too much time where sure. you're like, I don't know. What is this person's name? Yeah. And like how do they connect to the people whose story we're supposed to be telling here? So, yeah. um, but that rebel base and the like council of bureaucrats is like, Oh God, this is so star Wars and not in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we never even meet that council until like the end of the third one or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, uh, see so, yeah, now they're running together. To yeah. Me, right. But, so I think maybe one or two, cause, um, like Cornell West, his character, I think mm. he's in both of them where they got the, he's a, you know, academic. They mm. got him to do the cameo. They but... squeeze him in for a minute somewhere. Yeah, but... yeah. yeah. But it's all, ugh, it's no good. <laughs> all right. Do you got any others you wanted to bring up? Um, I can throw in one more. Sure. His, his face. Uh, I'll just mention Tron. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Quickly. And I mean, for, I think some of the like same reasons as other things that we've mentioned. I mean, that's a movie that was in its time revolutionary in special effects and where they essentially had to create new kinds of special effects in order to tell the story that they wanted to tell. And looking back at Tron now, some of those effects don't really look great. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas I felt like looking back at the original Matrix, almost all of the effects still quite impressed me. Yeah. But at the same time, it is completely revolutionary. And then, of course, the story of the human characters being trapped in this virtual world and trying to get out and all that kind of stuff. Um, So yeah. So Tron. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and video games and computer programs are pretty much the same thing when it comes down to it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, all right, let's, uh, let's start looking forward to uh, things that the matrix trilogy may have inspired. What do you got first? Well, I'll start with Christopher Nolan's Inception. Damn it, that was my first one. (laughs) It seemed like a very obvious choice. I feel like we've talked about Inception on various episodes for whatever reason that I've been on is a common... It happens. Um, I mean, I think, you know, like The Matrix, it's a movie that was is has been very influential and was very successful. A lot of people saw it. A lot of people were inspired by it, etc. Yeah. But, I mean, clearly, Christopher Nolan, um, I mean, who liked The Wachowskis is this visionary filmmaker someone who has very clear ideas of what he's going to do and large ambitions and um will go to any lengths necessary to achieve those visions um and it, but inception plot wise visually i mean you have these characters who are in this not a virtual world but a dream world but mm-hmm. i mean really one of the knocks on inception of course is that the dream worlds in obsession in in inception <laughs> don't look like actual dreams. Right. They look like the Matrix. Sure. So yeah, they yeah. look far more like a, a virtual reality than the way that dreams work, the, the sort of surreal non-logic of actual dreams. Right, right. Um, but they look amazing. Oh, yeah. And, and the idea of being able to kind of do anything because this world isn't real, I mean, that's something that, of course, Neo has to learn. There is no spoon and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, so Inception. Yeah, and I will just add, because, yeah, Inception was on my list as well, and one of my biggest takeaways from rewatching the sequels is just how much Christopher Nolan was inspired by, in general, by everything that they did in these. Um, You know, I I think also, as far as Inception specifically, uh, you know, you kind of get that whole 
trusting the audience to get where they're at at any given time, you know, and not lose track of what world they're in. Uh, so that that's kind of, that's a big ask, I think, of the audience for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so much Nolan imagery throughout all these movies, the dark, you know, color palettes and the rain and just the big heavy heaviness of everything and giant score and just there's so many things that I think have kind of gone into what we now associate more so with a Nolan movie when, you know, this is what they were doing here. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you could mention, I think the other Nolan movie that's the biggest one would be Tenet probably sure. has yeah. a lot of matrix uh, influences. I would on say it. the Batman movies as well, but, but uh, you know, maybe not as sci-fi, but certainly the uh, just the way they look visually, right. you right. know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll go from Christopher Nolan uh, to something else uh, that is huge in the world of pop culture. And that is the Avengers movies. Um, I'm going to go specifically for one little tiny part, though, and that is the I am inevitable line from Thanos, which is like his big shtick. I mean, he says it multiple times, and that is Agent Smith's thing as well. I am inevitable. So, yeah, I mean, that line was the big thing of a big bad guy in this big trilogy, and now it is again uh, here all these years later in the biggest movie ever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, Ultron, of course, the, uh, <laughs> the evil robot villain. Yeah, um, I mean, who was invented in, in Marvel Comics way, 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 way before The Matrix. But, sure. But I mean, I think like Eon Flux and like Ghost in the Shell, that's one of the, another thing where the Wachowskis, I'm sure, had read Ultron comic books. Sure. And then when they made a movie with Ultron, they're being, you know, they're bringing in something from The Matrix there. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, what do you got next? Well, I'm going to go next with a movie uh, that was very recent called Free Guy, Mm, Um, which I know you are not a fan of. It's fine. It's fun. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of it either, Um, but it was very successful. And in a weird way, Free Guy is like the fun comedy version of The Matrix. It is very much so. Yeah. Um, And what was interesting to me, too, is that, I mean, you could say that Ryan Reynolds character Guy is sort of like Neo in that he is the the chosen one or whatever who mm-hmm. liberates the people of this virtual world. But really, Guy is more like the characters in the Matrix sequels who are programs that rebel against the Matrix, that we don't yeah. really see those characters. I mean, we see the Oracle, but we don't know that about her in the first Matrix movie, and we learn then that about her or um, the train guy or uh seraph uh the mayor some really awful characters really um but but the general idea of that i thought was interesting the idea that you know in the first movie it's presented as this monolithic thing you know the machines are keeping the humans in the matrix and it's the humans versus the machines and then in those sequels it's like well but maybe some of these programs are at odds with the the general consensus amongst the machines sure. about what to do. And maybe some of them want to help the humans. And maybe some of them don't want to help the humans, but they don't want to do what all the other machines want either. Right. And I think it's handled in a very inelegant way, mm. but it's an interesting idea. So really, Guy is closer to like the Oracle or uh, someone like that than he is to Neo. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, all in a a fun comedy way sure absolutely and uh yeah i mean i mean and and i i don't hate free guy i just i i just thought that the kind of shtick of it all just kind of doesn't mesh well with any of the 
ideas of it all and so it just kind of just kind of all falls apart but yeah it's, it's a fun movie and i know it is of the big blockbusters of this year i know a lot of people really enjoyed it yeah i mean and i'm i'm kind of with you in that it didn't really hold together and i thought it was fun for a while and then i was like mm, i don't know and yeah. especially weirdly i think especially when it gets to the point where it's like more matrixy like let's get this rousing, you know, rallying everybody and we're going to liberate our world. And like, yeah. nah, I just thought it was kind of a fun, silly comedy. And like, right. I don't really care about the big action aspects of it. Right, right, yeah. for sure. Well, uh, I'll go to another piece here. And this is a TV show I've brought up before on an episode with you, I believe. But uh, it, it is Devs from Alex mm. Garland. But uh, another show that like really kind of delves into like the question of, you know, if you could live in a simulation and not know the difference, would you do it? You know, and that's of course the big blue pill, red pill thing of the first matrix. And, uh, you know, I, I think it kind of hides that that's what the question is going to be until towards the end of the show. But, um, once, once you get there, it's, it's just another way of looking at that question, which is, I think, you know, like we talked about earlier, something that's kind of worked its way into the, stonery philosophical questions of the last decade or so you know and i think it's kind of all around us in a lot of uh, a lot of sci-fi things right no that's true and i think weirdly as as you say devs spends a lot of time sort of obscuring what yeah. it's actually about and i felt like when we finally got there it was i was like oh it's like that it's it's, it's, it's another one of those it's the matrix again. it was a little yeah. disappointing to me mm -hmm. um but yeah absolutely and and dev certainly is is really going all in on the like philosophical yeah. existential questions of what is this and what does it mean and all of that yeah let's take get rid of all the action all the fun let's just go straight into uh if your kid died what would you do? <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. right right it does look it does look gorgeous though it sure does absolutely yes. yeah. but by the way before we move on to your uh your next one uh, i might as well just mention because it's 20 2021 uh and you brought up free guy uh space jam a new legacy this year also inspired by the matrix when granny does bullet time oh yeah well i mean in the, the I, they are in the server verse <laughs> they sure in are that. what gonna... in the matrix hell yeah. right exactly exactly <laughs> I, just, I just love to imagine that that joke was like in a Microsoft Word document for 20 years, just sitting there, you know? <laughs> I want to imagine, what did the Wachowskis think watching? I mean, first of all, hopefully they didn't watch sure. Space Jam Legacy, but if they did, how horrifying. We're like, okay, we need to pack it in. What have we done <laughs> what to pop culture? Oh, no. <laughs> well, what do you got for your next one? All right, well, I'm going to combine a couple again um, sure. and mention which something that to me is, is really amazing. And we talk about, again, like the Wachowskis drawing influence from all these things, and then they m influence those things. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm going to bring up two Steven Spielberg movies. Uh, one is Minority Report, which was fairly soon after the Matrix movies, I yeah. believe. And then the other is Ready Player One, sure. which is more recent. Um, but the idea that you could influence Steven Spielberg, I mean, how, <laughs> how much more influential could you be in the world of cinema yeah. where Steven Spielberg watches your movies and thinks, I'm going to try some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so minority report more in like the sort of future aesthetic and a lot of like the, you know, screens and, uh, the fashion, um, but also the oracle-y uh, nature of the Samantha Morton character in sure. that and the whole question of destiny and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then Ready Player One is, I mean, like Space Jam, really. Uh, mm. This this simulation world where anything is possible 
and uh, not like The Matrix, but like Space Jam, there's a lot of random pop culture in it for some reason. Sure. So yeah, that's maybe not a great movie, but um, <laughs> is certainly um, even maybe more so than Minority Report, um, drawing a lot from The Matrix and furthermore from what The Matrix brought to pop culture over because Ready Player One was so much later. Yeah. I'm sure the novel Ready Player One that the movie's based on was influenced by The Matrix first before yeah. it got to the movie. So, but I I just think again, as a filmmaker to be able to say you influenced Steven Spielberg like there's no higher achievement than that. Uh, yeah, that that is a, a huge honor on the Wachowskis for sure and uh and I I think it absolutely makes sense. And also, you know, it's hard to say before seeing a movie what to exactly expect, but just based off trailers alone, uh this new Matrix movie looks like it was inspired by Ready Player 1 a lot. So. And that that may very well be. I haven't, you know, neither of us have seen it, but some of what I've read is that it's actually very meta about sure. the matrix movies and yeah. so that's absolutely possible yeah absolutely well you know what that's actually a good place to go into this piece here uh and this is something we actually haven't seen yet or don't know too much about yet but i just thought it would be a good one to throw on this list anyway it is the metaverse that mark zuckerberg uh, and facebook are uh, this is are, another are thing i think the wachowski's looking at themselves like what did we do what in the what world we have we do? done yeah. yeah but uh the idea of this virtual world where all of our meetings and work and uh interactions are going to take place um I mean, that's basically what the fucking robots decided to do to us. And that is what Mark Zuckerberg is deciding to do to us. And uh, the repercussions of this uh, down the line, you know, who knows how scary that could be. But um, it, it certainly seems like all roads are pointing that way. Ugh. Yeah. 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 I just remind me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this, but there was like this, this viral tweet going around recently where it's like, you know, sci-fi creator says, I have created the you know, horrible torture universe as a cautionary tale about where humanity might go. Yeah. And then tech billionaire, like we're excited to announce that we've created <laughs> the real version of the horrible torture universe and you can now participate in it. Yeah. Yeah. Get in on the beta test while you can. Exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> that's hey, wait, we're, we're human beings. We love this <laughs> shit, I guess. I don't know. All right. What do you got next? Uh, well, my next pick is uh, Keanu. In uh, Keanu <laughs> in a Scanner Darkly. Nice. So um, I think I've, this is another movie that I've talked about for various reasons on some some episode that we've I think done. so. Uh, Richard Linklater's film that I, I really like a lot. Yeah. And, and another one sort of along the divide because a Scanner Darkly is based on a novel by Philip K. Dick, who I'm sure was a huge influence on the Wachowskis. Um, his his books maybe more than his the films based on them although um i mean just come to think of it total recall for example which is based on a yeah a philip k dick story could absolutely be a, an influence on the matrix but but maybe even more so in his novels where he creates these surreal worlds that often turn out to be not what they seem or they are if you want to talk about was there something in sci-fi before this about living in a simulation or not? Re like it's all in Philip K. Dick stories sure. and novels. Yeah. Um, and so a scanner darkly, I feel like captures that this sort of psychedelic 1960s. I am on a lot of drugs yeah. style of Philip K. Dick's writing more so than like total recall or even like blade runner. I mean, and those are really good movies, but they're more 
sci-fi movie action movie kind of stuff whereas mm. a scanner darkly with that rotoscoping uh animation and the, the sort of jittery off-putting tone of it really makes you feel like you're on drugs while watching the movie oh yeah um and certainly keanu's character in that movie is always not sure of what's real and what's not real and it, who is he even yeah um so yeah, I'm sure Richard Linklater, you know, would have seen The Matrix, and it's just like here's his sort of lo-fi indie version of that. Sure, yeah, rotoscoping would be a really like it would fit really well in the world of The Matrix. I think if they were to ever do like another Animatrix or something like that, it would just fit so well. Yeah, yeah, really cool movie. I, I haven't seen it in a long time. I got to rewatch that one of these days. Um, but I will go. I figured I got to squeeze a video game in here. So um, I am going to go with the Geometry Wars uh, series of video games. I don't know if you know this. No, I, I mean, you know, if you name some of the most famous video games of all time, yeah. I probably know them. But beyond that, my knowledge is very limited. Okay. Well, so this is actually what I was kind of like uh, mentioning earlier that I was thinking about mentioning them, but I didn't until now. Uh, the, with the Battle of Zion, um, one of the issues I think that some people have with it is the fact that the machines all just attack in waves and when they could totally obliterate all the humans so easily, but they just have to come in their little wave formations. Uh, Geometry Wars is like a very simple arcade-style game where you're just shooting at waves of oncoming ships and uh, you learn the patterns and blow away in their pattern formations and it, they're really fun games by the way uh but that is kind of exactly how the enemies are they all come in various kinds of waves each one you learn the pattern you go after them in that pattern as soon as the next one comes you learn that pattern going after them in that pattern it seems like that's really how they went for this uh battle of zion is to is to make it like a video game and these games i think uh especially take from that yeah i mean I feel like that's a way to excuse the Battle of Zion. Like, well, it's like a video game. Right, like, right. Okay. And obviously <laughs> video games in general are certainly a huge influence on the Matrix. Sure. But I feel like it's the wrong place to put that. Like the Matrix is like a video game. You right. go in the Matrix and there it's very explicitly, you know, things like being able to upgrade with different skills mm -hmm. and weapons and all that. The Battle of Zion is in the, quote, real world, yeah. where things don't behave like a video That's game. That's true, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm harping on this, but to me, everything about that doesn't work, whatever. <laughs> well, what do you got next? All right, well, I my last thing here uh -huh. um, is another dual thing that I'm going to do, but I actually have not seen either of these movies, so I'm just okay. going to kind of uh, briefly, I, I won't touch on the, the content, but specifically to me, the idea, and this this is goes to the Animatrix. And I feel like the idea of creating this sort of like animated spin-off content of your big blockbuster franchise yeah. is something now that especially uh, Netflix does a lot. And so I was going to mention two anime style movies, um, The Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf, which is a spin-off of The Witcher uh, live action TV series with Henry Cavill, um, and Bright samurai soul which is an anime spin-off of uh dave rosen's favorite movie bright starring <laughs> will smith it's all right um <laughs> which i i to be fair again i haven't not only have i not seen these animated movies but i've never watched the witcher or seen bright i i gotta but, tell you i never even heard of these things like right. i obviously have heard of the the main witcher and and the bright movie but i didn't even know these spin-offs existed yeah but i mean i think these are and there's there's actually more than this but these are two of the examples that i came up with and i think it, this is something that, that Netflix is doing and yeah. is part of this 
you know, because they have this global audience is like, well, we have this really popular property. What if we made a version of it that kind of looks like something that's popular in another country? You know, it kind of looks like anime. It's not really, right, right. but it kind of looks like that. And just sort of the expansion of the quote universe with this ancillary content yeah you know and i feel like the animatrix when it came out and it was released straight to dvd at yeah, a time yeah. when releasing something straight to dvd meant it was just total garbage oh yeah you know but it was really in a way revolutionary and furthermore the wachowskis took it seriously it wasn't right. just like oh here's some promotional doodad that we threw on dvd because the studio wanted it like they were heavily involved and they recruited people like peter chung and other uh, anime creators who had influenced them and said, hey, here, come and play in our world that we've created. So I think that's something that is finally maybe been a successfully co-opted by a giant corporate entity. I would almost bet that it was part of like their demands and their contract. Like we'll do two more Matrix movies, but you got to let us spend some money on these awesome animators we love. Right, right. Yeah. And I mean, and that is giving them like giving the credit like hey we made something based influenced by your stuff that made us a shit ton of money yeah and now we want to share some of that with you which is awesome they're yeah. they're awesome <laughs> well i'll go with my last one and uh, i've brought it up before on the show but you know i've already brought up terminator i brought up alien i brought up star wars brought up nolan marvel might as well bring up avatar as well um <laughs> i was waiting for was maybe it's the evil dead remake or <laughs> I, i'll try i will try versus evil dead something <laughs> but uh uh, speaking of which, uh, that that since Bruce Campbell won't play uh, Ash anymore, maybe we can get an animated uh, Evil Dead spinoff. That could be fun. That is 100% possible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, Avatar, I mean, come on, you're living in a different world through sure. various bodies and sure. going, you know. And then back to that battle, I mean, you got the giant mech suits for giant, you know, shoot em up action and all that stuff. And also, again, we kind of mentioned it with Alien, but, you know, all of these side characters that are just kind of exist to be more people shooting guns at some point during the story, you know, and that's, uh, you got, you got Avatar plus lots of video game influence in that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and one thing that we didn't mention that the sequels do, that is another thing I think that's kind of like a cool idea that they don't really do very well is that Agent Smith is able to escape the Matrix mm -hmm. and inhabit a human body. Yeah. And of course, in Avatar, that's what, you know, the humans are able to actually, you know, put their consciousness into the body of one of the Navi. And it's not virtual. It's a real, I mean, real in the context of the movie. Sure you know, alien being that they can, that they can inhabit. So, you know, that's, that's also similar there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are so many cool ideas in the matrix sequels that they just unfortunately don't go to. And instead we get, you know, all this action basically. And that's Speeches it. Speeches by the Merovingian. Yeah. That, that person. That guy is the worst character. <laughs> Well, yeah, we got a uh, big list here of stuff, but, you know, obviously, I mean, the, the main thing that runs through it all is just some of the best sci-fi that came before and the best sci-fi that's come since, you know, and uh, I, to me, the Nolan influence was the big thing that kind of my big takeaway from rewatching these movies. I mean, Nolan is such a big filmmaker. I mean, he's now shooting, it's not sci-fi, but, you know, maybe the last hundred million dollar movie, you know, with his uh, Oppenheimer well, or whatever. Well, the last hundred million dollar, like, historical drama. Sure, for sure. Non-Marvel, let's yeah. say that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just some of these big, gigantic things filmmakers you mentioned spielberg i mean th this really was i mean for such a scrappy thing to like 
turn into this huge thing. I don't know. I'm just so excited to see how this new one comes out. I, I maybe you know I shouldn't be, but I I am very hopeful for it. I hope so too. And it seems to have. I, on one thing that's all kind of good to me is that it seems to be very polarizing. Yeah, people have loved it and hated it. Um, and it sounds like it's very meta. I've seen a couple like social media reactions that compare it to New Nightmare, which is a movie that I love <laughs> yes. that we talked about on Awesome Movie Year. So I'm like, okay, I can go with that. So yeah, yeah we'll see. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, well, right on. A- anything else you wanted to mention about The Matrix before we wrap it up? It's good. You should watch it if you haven't. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. It's on HBO Max and Hulu. <laughs> that That is it. That is it. Well, uh, Josh, is there another movie you watched recently you want to recommend to our listeners? Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because you brought up Devs and Alex Garland. And this is a movie that actually, when I uh, wrote about it, that I mentioned is very uh, Alex Garland influenced. Um, it's called Swan Song with uh, Mahershala Ali. It's on Apple TV+. Um, and it's gotten kind of mixed response, but I, I really liked it. It's a sci-fi near future uh, thing that is actually very concerned with a lot of philosophical ideas. And he plays this character who is dying of cancer, and he is going to potentially participate in this experimental procedure where they create a clone of him who is not dying of cancer and give the clone all his memories. And Mm. then the clone goes and lives his life and everyone, his family and friends and everyone who knows him doesn't know that it's not him. And so they're able to kind of continue on and he can, he can continue to provide for them and care for his children and be with his wife while the actual him uh, dies of cancer. Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of uh, more about the emotional journey of this guy deciding how to handle this than it is about sci-fi twists and turns and yeah. the, the Alex Garlandiness of it. Um, but I thought it was, it was really well acted. There's, there's some, you know, thoughtful ideas and also just the emotions of dealing with grief and guilt over leaving family members behind. And Aquafina is actually really good in it as a person who has previously done this and is now her, she, she's dying and she's already been replaced and he kind of uh, interacts with her and they talk about, um, how they feel about this process and everything. And so, yeah, I was skeptical going in, but I, I quite enjoyed it. So Swan Song, Apple TV+. Plus. Nice. Yeah, it's on my list of things to hopefully get to before the end of the year. We'll see what happens. Such a long list, I'm there's, sure. There's so many fucking yes. movies, Josh. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, why don't you tell people uh, what you got going on with the Awesome Movie Year and everything else you're up to? Oh, yeah, Awesome Movie Year. Well, we did, I don't know, uh, timing-wise, whether it's out already or will be out, but we do have an episode on... The Matrix as part of our season on the films of 1999, which is just wrapped up. And that was kind of a bonus for it. Uh, we've had a bunch of bonus things and we are about to or just have started probably about to start yeah, about our to start. Uh, 10th season. So for that, as sort of an anniversary thing, we're taking a look back at all the different years that we've covered in previous seasons and picking out some movies that we didn't cover, um, but that we really had wanted to. And uh, doing some extra bonuses on different movies from different years. So awesomemovieyear.com and uh, Awesome Movie Year on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter is where you can find all our stuff. It is funny that uh, of the random, not exactly random, but kind of random years that you guys pick as awesome movie years that we get all the Matrix movies in them. That's true. I didn't think about that because yeah. the sequels are from 2003. Yeah, all 2003. And we we never really considered covering them when we talked about no. 2003. But yeah, they, they are all from there. So yeah. uh, 
Yeah, maybe maybe somehow we'll have to trick Jason into watching them for a future yeah. bonus awesome movie year episode. Maybe the Animatrix. Maybe. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Go. Probably not. But <laughs> but the Matrix itself, we had a good discussion about. Check yeah. that episode out. Absolutely. Well, uh, Josh, as always, thanks so much for being here. And I look forward, as always, to getting you back. Yeah, I look forward to it. Two actors walk into a bar and, well, what do they do, David? Well, Scarlett, I'll tell you. Two actors walk into a bar and find humour in reality. Two of them fall out and smash on the floor. The woman has gone, well done. Provide opinions on everything they're not entitled to. Oh, wear a mask, you dumbasses. America's fucked. Oh, who cares? <laughs> Biden's in control of a sinking ship. And of course, they drink. I'm doing great. I've had one beer and I don't know what words are anymore. He's on the Fanta fruit twist now. I can see what you're drinking and it is embarrassing. But no, 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 that's not all you can expect from this podcast. We've got some particularly strange tales to tell and, of course, exclusive stories from the acting world. You came on the stage and you were like, stop it, I'm having to break character. I'm a professional, don't you know? I see you're an actress. Do you snort lots of cocaine, then? Some Oscar-worthy performances from our hosts. Uh, your Waluigi impression is hilarious. Waluigi. Um. <laughs> Good old Boris Johnson, like... You're smashing them now. You've not even had a drink yet. Oh, I don't believe the king would have said Ooh. that. And a load of drunken waffle. Uh, I mean, intelligent conversation. We're talking about you having a weird crush on Colin Firth and suddenly you're shagging a Greg's pasty. My life's exciting. What can I say? So join her, Scarlett Bryant. And him, David McCulloch. Along with a fantastic range of special guests. Bring it on. I can't wait. I mean... Who shat themselves? <laughs> <laughs> I was sang in the prize giving on the Friday, was having surgery on the Saturday. I poured myself some mulled wine for this occasion and I have... You saw me sit down with a full glass. <laughs> I've like just... <laughs> it's like juice, you know? All that and much, much more in our podcast series... Two, Two actors, actors walk, walk into, into a, a bar. bar. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about the Matrix trilogy and the movies that inspired them and the movies that they inspired. I am very excited. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, the Matrix Resurrections will be out and I'll have already seen it. We'll already be uh, working on recording our episode on it, but... At the time of recording, I haven't seen it yet, and I'm still very excited to see it. I can't wait. Just a couple days away. Oh boy, it's coming. But uh, thanks to Josh Bell for joining me on this episode. And if you like what you hear, uh, we would really appreciate it if you'd leave us a little rating and review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or over on Podchaser or Good Pods. Wherever you listen to podcasts, if you could hit the five star and maybe leave us a little feedback on what you think of the show... We really appreciate that. You could also share the show, of course, which is just the best when people do that. And, uh, you know, follow us on social media at PiecingPod over there on Twitter and Instagram. And check out our Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces Facebook group where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. Don't forget to check out that awesome movie year episode about the original Matrix. Uh, we get really deep into the history and origins of it, and uh, we, we got a lot more to say over there on that episode. So check that out also wherever you listen to podcasts. And that does it for today. Um, let's close this thing out with a piece of music like I always do. And, you know, as an electronic artist, essentially, even though I 
kind of stretched that definition a lot with some of the work that I do, especially when I'm scoring films. Um, there's no shortage of electronic type tracks that I could play on a Matrix episode. I'm going to go back to my first album, Echoes in the Dark, and play one of the more electronic-y tracks on the album. Uh, this one's called Whirlwind. There is a pretty cool music video for it. It was actually the first video I put out, uh, actually at the exact same time as the video that kind of overshadowed it, Lights in the Sky, was kind of my first video that anybody actually saw, but I also had Whirlwind out at basically the same time. Uh, so you can check that out over on my YouTube channel and uh, check out the album Echoes in the Dark wherever you listen to music. But this is Whirlwind. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together coming up real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.